Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast and our series on trailblazers. I love how each story teaches us something new about what it takes to bravely move down a path that is new and uncharted, and this week's story is about personal courage. Karen Caswell is an experienced educator, passionate reader, and lifelong learner. She is currently a teaching and learning coordinator at a primary school on the Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia. Karen is an early childhood trained teacher who has also been privileged to work in a variety of roles and settings during her 24-year career. In October 2018, Karen started the TLAP Down Under a chat and community on Twitter so that educators in Australia could be part of the extended TLAP community. The weekly chat has grown to include participants from not only Australia, but many countries where the time is more convenient than the USA chat. Karen is passionate about raising kind, caring, and active young people who know how to advocate for themselves, champion others, and make a positive impact on the world. In this episode, we learn how Karen rediscovered her passion for teaching and has been working to build a network of support for others who have faced similar challenges that she did on her journey. From her story, we learn how we too can create a space for others to grow together and heal ourselves in the process. I am honored to amplify for you Karen Caswell's trailblazer story. Welcome, Karen Caswell, to the In Awe podcast. I am so excited to have you featured on the Trailblazer series and for my listeners to hear your incredible story today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We are just in for such a treat. I have had the joy of interacting with Karen a few times, and every single time I just feel so inspired and seen. And I just am so excited for my listeners to hear your lovely and wonderful trailblazing stories. So can you share with the audience where, like, what is your current context? So currently I'm a teaching and learning coordinator at Cooma Rivers State School, which is on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. My role is um, like a curriculum leader and coaching role. And I'm already also um, still one day a week on class with my grade four class. I was curious about that. So one day a week with your grade four class and my, maybe my struggle is I'm just so used to kind of like a factory model system here in the United States. So what does a day look like teaching just one day? <laughs> uh, well, it's a Friday. So most of the, um, I guess, explicit instruction has been done by the teacher who's working four days a week. Um, I come in and I still have, you know, a couple of things that are just mine to teach, um, but also then just finishing off the week. Um, Friday, we still do our book buddies with our junior school class. Um, so I'm really excited that I got to continue to do that because obviously um, a love of reading is um, something that I'm really passionate about. Um, so yeah, that's basically what the day is. I just love it. I, I love that you get to do all of the this leadership role and then support in the classroom too. It's just, it's really cool. I can't wait to see how that feels that because uh, you're not also, by the way, for our listeners that aren't um, totally sure about how this works, the school system in Australia, you're not at the beginning of a school year here. You know, this podcast is launching in August. So at what point in the school year are you? Um, so we're halfway through term three. So which I guess like your quarters. Um, so we have another, oh, we're just under halfway. We have six weeks more of this term. Then we have our two week September holidays, which is spring. Then we have 10-week term four, um, and then have our Christmas 
summer break for six weeks at the end of the year. And that's the end of our school year. <laughs> Christmas summer break. It's so fun because here in, in Wisconsin, we're going to be like totally different, uh, you yep. know, climates. <laughs> so thank you for, t- for pausing a moment just to provide us that kind of timeline context because it's interesting. Yes. So Karen, I am so excited to have our story focused just a little bit here on the trailblazing aspect of your life because you there's so much that we could talk about and share. And I, I'm so glad we got connected in, in the space that we did, which is uh, through the work that you've done leading in your part of the world with the TLAP uh, down under. Would you want to share just a little bit about that piece and how that happened? Um, sure. So last, it was only last year. It seems like a lot longer. Last year, I um, started reading some of the DBC books, um, obviously read Teach Like a Pirate. Um, in our September school holidays last year, was able to join in some of the chats, which are about at about 11 o'clock during the day, our time. Um, <laughs> so I can only do them on school holidays, obviously, otherwise I'm in the middle of a school day. Um, and then I was really uh, interested and enjoyed participating in those chats. So I had an idea to start up a chat down here um, for people who also were interested in that and liked the, the whole, we started with like Teach Like a Pirate Focus, obviously. And then we've gotten people from all over whose time zones suit rather than, so Asia, um, some South America, um, Europe, you know, popping in either regularly or every now and then, um, as well as Australian audience. It's so awesome. I've learned so much just connecting with you and the power of connection over a platform like Twitter. It it allows us the ability to broaden our horizons on so many different topics. But I just love too that you point out like the chat times are not super easy to engage that way uh, because of the timeline. And And then I also just appreciate so much that you bring in a broader audience then too, because you've got the system that works in a time zone that's better. So it just, it just, you, what you did is you basically created space for more people to connect on these really critical and important topics for educators. So thank you for doing that, you trailblazer. Thank you. (laughs) So so now that we got that piece covered, another thing that that I've learned is uh, Karen is a, she's a beautiful writer and you've, you started blogging. And so you're kind of like in this journey, trailblazing journey, um, sharing your story about some challenges that you've had. So would you like to just take some space and and talk about that and how you're paving the way for those of us that need to open up some conversation and some reflection for our, for our own selves. Um, sure. So I guess I started blogging in November last year, um, had never written anything prior to that. Um, so it was uh, a bit of a challenge, I guess. I'm pretty good at processing my thoughts. That's probably why I process my thoughts, I guess, anyway. Um, But then sharing that with an audience was obviously um, a bit daunting. Um, So originally it was more like sort of a variety of topics, but it has sort of headed in the direction of um, about some of the struggles that I have faced in my life, Um, one of which was that I suffer from depression. Um, So probably about six years ago was the lowest point that I had with that. Um, It was quite significant. I had to have about eight weeks off school for that. And uh, I think like a lot of people initially, I ignored the many signs that indicated I was unwell and for a variety of reasons. But 
uh, you know, sense of responsibility. You know, you've got things to do. You can't, there can't be anything wrong with you. Denial, fear, you know, being scared of what was happening, guilt. But most of all was the shame, um, how ashamed I was that I wasn't um, coping or managing or dealing with things. And there's such a stigma attached to mental illness. Um, and probably at the time I would say that I also bought into that stigma Um you know, I didn't want to be seen as weak or fragile or incapable or damaged. Um, and so I didn't want anyone to know what was going on. Um, but that's why now I'm so passionate about, you know, raising awareness and trying to remove that stigma um, and encouraging people to talk about mental health because so many people suffer in silence because they are ashamed. And obviously that just compounds the damage that's being done. Um I just think people need to realise that, you know, mental health conditions are illnesses. They're not weaknesses or deficits of character, and we need to treat them like that. I just really value so much that you have come to this space where you're you're making that trail in your own world because that's not easy. It's it's not easy to own our own story and to be able to rewrite that narrative for ourselves. I appreciate that you pointed out that you had bought into that stigma at some point. Um, and so not only to kind of push through that muddy trail to create for yourself this kind of self-embracing, self-loving, accepting journey, which is, it's hard for all of us, added challenges with the societal stigma as you were referencing, but that now you, you're creating space for others. And that is, it's so valued. And I just am so thankful that you're in this world doing that, Karen. It's, it's really hard. I still do feel there are times that people um, see me or treat me differently um, once they hear that part of my story or even, you know, just the part of when you open up about um, not even about a mental health condition but, you know, about the things that most of us struggle with just in terms of self-confidence and self-worth and, and all of those things. And um, I think it's really hard because it's so hard to admit those things and then people don't know how to deal with with you or respond to you when you do. Um, so that then can add some, and like that, I guess, an extra layer of difficulty to the whole situation. And have you found, Karen, that it's not the majority, but I mean, when you're saying that some people, can you share what that might feel like or look like or sound like when people are making you feel like it's not worth sharing or that that's still there? I don't think it's that they don't, they make me feel it's not worth sharing. I just don't think they then go, they don't know how to deal with, if I say this to her, is is she going to fall apart? Or, you know, if I do this, is that going to upset her? Or And so people then just don't interact or don't, you know, do any of those things. Yeah, because we fear what we don't know. We don't know how to, Mm. especially if we're fixers, right? And there's not an easy solution to these conversations, Mm. um, to these challenges. I can really appreciate that. In terms of this trailblazing idea, you're you're blogging and that's one thing. I mean, we we can all write about it and press submit, (laughs) but I've seen you kind of really be able to build a community around your writing. So can you share just kind of some of the strategies that you've done to, or what you're currently doing or what you're in the future going to do to keep blazing this trail so that more can, you know, kind of come along on this path with you? 
I don't know what I'm doing other than sharing it, I suppose. Um, I, I find that I, a lot of what I say does resonate with people and they do sort of get in touch and say, oh, my God, it sounds like you're inside my head, um, you know, and that they appreciate that I guess that someone, as you say, stepped into that space and, and opened up those conversations. Um, I, you know, I'm in the process of writing a book, whether it gets completed, whether it gets published, I don't know, um, but I have started sort of recording my journey not just with depression, it's not just a, a story of depression, um, but other challenges that I faced with disillusionment with work, um, rediscovering, you know, my passion um, for education, for what I do, for working with kids. Um, so, yeah, that's one other thing that I'm working on at the moment. Well, it's a, little, it's a really large piece of you, so I want to hear a little <laughs> bit more about that. Um, would you want to share with the listeners just a little bit about that piece of your journey and, and maybe what you would be including in that book to kind of share that and help others maybe if they find themselves in the state of disillusionment as well? Yeah, so I guess that's the first part. It starts with the depression um, and, you know, what led to that and how I was able to overcome that, but things that I now need to be aware of Um and strategies that, you know, that I use with dealing with that. Um, as anyone who's, who has a mental health condition knows, it never truly goes away. So um, there's a bit of focus on that. Then the next part, yeah, is the disillusionment um, in my career, just feeling as though there was something missing, I guess not really knowing what it was um, and why I was feeling that way. I'd been teaching for 20 years, um, lots of changes <laughs> were happening. I wasn't probably as passionate about my career anymore as I used to be. Um, and I know that everyone will know all the external reasons why we might feel that way. Um, you know, there's all the increasing expectations, the, um, you know, the emphasis on data, the lack of respect for the, the profession. But I think the probably the main reason it was a internal and I'd lost sight of my why. I didn't really know what I was doing or why I was doing it anymore. I had to take some time to reflect about that um, and decide what I did want to continue doing. Um, did I want to keep being a teacher? Was there something else that maybe I wanted to do instead? So it goes through that part of the journey, um, how I was able to move past that. Um, I sort of did some professional learning, some reading. I was able to grow as a person and then as educator, I became connected and developed a professional learning network. Um, and engaging all of this really did reignite my passion for an educator um, and change probably not only my career but my life. So that's, I guess, you know, just a, a snapshot of it. Obviously it goes into more detail about um particular things that I've, I've done and, and strategies that I use. Well, I'm just sitting here on the other end of the mic, beaming my face off because as you know, you know, this whole idea of helping educators move past that, those feelings of, as you say, disillusionment, we might label it as, uh, you know, cases of burnout, um, you know, just helping educators stay in the game because here in the United States, 2015, there was this research study that shows us that we, our attrition rate since 1992 has increased by 50% and that we're losing our teachers. And, um, you know, for the same kinds of things, the same examples that you gave and, and it, and it, I really love how your message just aligns really well with 
the one that we have uh, written in Balance Like a Pirate, but the one that I'm so passionate about myself. So I love that the listeners get to hear this through you is this idea about intentionality and just being intentional about it all and figuring out what you're going to let go of and what you're going to, you know, embrace to make sure that you are, you know, able to take charge of the things that you can control. And it really does have an effect on our our overall sense of well-being. Yeah, it does. And I mean, a lot of the things we can't control and, you know, they they have a huge influence um, on job satisfaction. Um, but at some point, you know, I guess it was I had to it was it was me mostly and what could I do you know so mm-hmm. as you say you can either leave um which I decided I, I couldn't really think of anything else that I did want to do um and also you know to be honest at, at the stage of life that I'm at the thought of um you know starting a whole new career going back <clears throat> you know back to the bottom of the of the ladder and of the the pay scale and you know that um, would have made a huge difference to the quality of life um, for my family as well. So obviously I didn't stay in the job for the money. However, you know, financial reasons do influence our decisions. But, I, you know, I did have to find, okay, well, I am going to stay, but what am I going to do about it? What, what can I change? What can I control? How can I be the one to make this better? myself. Yes. And that, you know, so that piece of, of the puzzle, regardless of what profession we're in, is one that we all can empower ourselves to, to harness. So I love that you share that. And then I love that you're kind of, you know, like moving into a new role and refreshing because this is not what you're doing right now is fairly new. You want to talk about that journey in terms of securing a leadership position? Yes. So that was probably part of the reason that I think um, one one other thing that influenced the disillusionment, I'd been trying to get a promotional position for a number of years. Um, I hadn't been able to. I'd gotten some short-term jobs. Um, and I guess the whole that whole process was making me unhappy. Um, so I decided to stop, um, rediscovered my why, which was the kids, put my focus back into the students. Um, that was why I sort of became a teacher. Um, and, you know, I don't know, it wasn't really until I let go of the active pursuit of a leadership position um, and accepted that I didn't need a title to be a leader, that I think I actually did then become a leader. Um, I started leading um, in in that way without the focus in my own head. And again, it was me. It wasn't anything anyone else had said that, oh, you know, no, we don't see you as a leader because you don't have a title. That was a, what I sort of had felt. Um but once I sort of let go of that and accepted that I didn't need that title, then I think that's, as I said, when I sort of demonstrated some true leadership. Um, I, I think now reflecting as well, I did need to grow personally as a person to be ready um, for that position as well. Um, but I was finally successful in securing a leadership position, which started in this year. So um, I'm, you know, I'm really excited about that. Um, really happy and proud that I achieved something that I worked so hard for. Um, but I think it's more the journey that I, that I went on 
to get where I am today. I really appreciate what you said about that and I can relate myself. And so just really grateful that you would put that out there uh, because you know, when we're in our striving, what are we really striving for? And are we in a space where we're totally ready for that? So that vulnerability and, and that self-reflection for you to just be able to say out loud, you know, I, I guess I was, I, wasn't probably ready for that. And I needed to refine myself first. And I just think that's incredible. And I also was, as I was listening, I was thinking about so many different spaces in our lives where that really applies, you know, where you're trying to clutch at something and holding it so tight in your grasp that it becomes uncomfortable. And until we can maybe release it a little bit, you know, when then, and then that's when it comes. And I've heard in my lifetime, so many different examples of that, whether it be, you know, in, in people trying to have, you know, families and, you know, those kinds of situations or, or relationships or, you know, really any context. I just love that you can bring that into this story in terms of your leadership. So that's cool. Hey, just since we're on it, because that's, you know, that's trailblazing yourself. Leadership positions in the titled world are, you know, less than <laughs> everyone else. Is there anything you'd share about these first couple of months that maybe were either surprising or, or exciting or make it just so worth it? I don't know. It's, a, it's not exciting. I miss the kids. <laughs> um, you know, so it's, it's having to, to deal with that. I mean, I am lucky, I guess. I still get to go and see them um, and I, once a week. And I guess it's hard because I started the position pathway through a school year, um, you know, and so I had a class. They were my kids. We developed those relationships. Um, we developed that sense of community within our class. Um, so that was probably a challenge that um, I – I knew I'd miss them, but I don't know that I thought I'd miss them quite as much as I do. (laughs) Um, But it's just really learning. It's still like just learning so much. Um, I don't think you ever stop learning. Um, It's very different dealing with uh, working with adults than it is working with children. (laughs) Um, But I'm just really excited to, to support teachers um, in their practice and in what they do in the classroom and to, you know, um, not only with the strategies that they're using, but with their their enthusiasm and their excitement and, um, you know, doing some new different things um, so that, you know, they're not, not only the kids are engaged, but the teachers are engaged as well. Well, it's so important. And I, and I can hear <laughs> some people just even those that have moved into a leadership position of any kind in an organization uh, when you're moving further away from the thing that you started with, you know, and I, I'm smiling because I vividly recall the first several months after I had left the classroom and I actually had a conversation with my um, previous supervisor and I just said, is my position still available? <laughs> like, I miss the kids. I miss the students. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you start to learn how you can, how your impact has kind of like an exponential impact when you're able to, as a leader, like you said, refine and develop and, and reinvigorate the teachers to do that. So, um, you know, I wish you well on that journey and the continuum of acceptance. <laughs> into. Thanks. I, I mean, I get to go into lots of classrooms, so I'm getting lots of kids. So I'm, you know, I'm still getting my fix. I was down with the preppies, which is, I don't know, your kindergartners maybe. Oh, cute. <laughs> preppies. I love that. <laughs> 
that's where I started my career as an early childhood teacher. But it's been a few years since I've been down with the little ones. So that was nice to go down and spend some time with them. <laughs> yes. And what a great way to look at it too. You know, once you're, you start to embrace, you know, all of them and then you realize you're, you're, oh, it's just wide open for how many more you can impact. So that's really cool. And I, so kindergartners are called preppies, huh? <laughs> Um, it's prep, like the prep year, preparatory. Like I think prep year for you guys is the year before, like some fancy private school. Um, yes, you're like correct. A- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's like the year to prepare them to go to school. It makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, it turns out a lot of the things that that Australians that I've learned through you does make a lot of sense. So it's good. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, it makes sense to us. It sure does. Okay. So, uh, and it was just kind of funny. I just a sidebar really quickly. I was working with a group of principals in New York the other day and I kept saying elementary and, and every now I get a little look, but I, they definitely would like repeat it back to me. It's elementary. (laughs) And so that's our primary, you know, those are early grades. We say elementary in Wisconsin and in New York, they say elementary. So it's just all about region and culture, right? (laughs) kind of fun yeah and they'll say elementary yes so, i don't even say the i just go t-r-y tree <laughs> tree elementary <laughs> okay all right so um i have a couple of standard questions and then i'd like to get some awe-inspiring recommendations from you if that's possible so uh the first one is if you were to write a letter to yourself karen at any age or stage what do you think you would tell karen I would tell her that, you know, that she's important and um, she matters, that um, the only person that I'm, that she needs to please is herself. Um, People who are people pleasers would, I guess, understand what that's all about. Um, Not to define your self-worth based on what others think or what you think others think or what you think others expect of you um, or other people's opinions of you, that you have value regardless of that, um, that it needs she needs to know who she truly is because that is the key to, to everything and then to accept and love her authentic self and believe in herself. Such important words for, for us, honestly, to hear at any stage of our lives truly. So I really value that. And I know that I think your response would be pretty similar, but I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to ask you to answer the other question that I, that I ask, and I'm going to specify it a little bit more because I think it's nuanced just enough. But if you were, um, if there is a, as an influential woman, if there's a person listening right now that maybe has any struggle that you've referenced here on the podcast, whether it's, you know, pressing submit on a blog post or engaging in a Twitter chat, or, you know, even starting one or, uh, you know, starting up their own, um, you know, campaign to open up the doors for, for their own mental health or others, because you've trailblazed now, if you, you realize you, you put it back there, there's been a few things that you've been working on here. So if anybody's sitting there and, and they're just in a pit of fear or doubt for their own abilities to do that, is there anything that you could say that might boost them up out of that pit to just take that next step? You know, everyone matters that you matter. Um, what you do and who you are as a person matters. Um, there's no mold. So, you know, don't expend your energy or your time trying to fit into the mold because there is no such thing. Um, I think you just know who you know yourself, accept yourself, 
Um, and like pretty similar messages to what I would tell my younger self, don't give others the power to determine your worth. Um, and really, I think be courageous, give it a go. Like I, you know, you just don't know where, <clears throat> where things will go. Um, yeah, you might have some failings or it might not work out, but the flip side is imagine all the things that could work out and how amazing it could be. Like I wouldn't be here talking to you today if I hadn't done the things that I had done, had decided to do and put myself out there. Oh, and what a gift it's been to watch this flourish over the last several months. And I know that your message is going to continue to have a mission in it for others. And I'm so glad that my listeners got to hear those very words from you, especially what hit me hard is when you said, don't uh, give others the power to determine your worth. What a powerful sentence. So thank you for that. It's, it's, it's incredible. I appreciate that, Karen. Thank you. Okay. So how about some inspiring recommendations? Who do you think that others would, should connect with on social media? Um, so Catherine Williams is an Australian educator. Um, she's amazingly encouraging and supportive. She's just retired after 30 years in the classroom um, and has now turned her energies towards um supporting and connecting other educators. Um, She really exemplifies the value of connections um, and building people up and lifting people up and inspiring and supporting people. So definitely follow Kath. Um, She has also just started her own podcast, which is called Get Connect Ed. Um, And so that's been really um, lovely to listen to the messages that she's sharing on that as well. Awesome. Well, I will make sure to get those linked up for our listeners because I know that the listeners of the In Awe podcast would value every single thing that she's bringing to the table. So that's awesome. How about a book that you would recommend? Um, any book by Brene Brown. <laughs> um, she's actually been transformational for me. Um, her work around vulnerability, shame, connection and belonging, um, obviously with a, as with a lot of people, but really resonated with me and has helped me grow so much as a person, understand myself, but also others, which obviously is important. I have to, um, I have to mention Teach Like a Pirate by Dave Burgess. Reading this book was truly a pivotal moment um, for me. So not only professionally, you know, reigniting my passion, developing, you know, an amazing PLN, um, and was the catalyst for the personal and professional journey that I've been on for the, the past 12 months. So it, um, you know, it's changed my life. What a beautiful endorsement on both of those books. And I will make sure to link up for the listeners, how to get a hold of any of those. Um, because I, you know, and I agree and thank you for sharing those. How about, I know you're a podcast listener, so any podcasts you'd like to recommend for our listeners to check out in addition to the Connect Ed? Um, Teachers on Fire with Tim Cavey. Um, There's such a range and a variety of guests that he has um, in terms of education and their skills and experience. So I really like listening to those stories. Oh, Tim, if I'm one of the listeners, I just want to throw out a special thank you to Tim. And I don't, I think I've probably said this before. So thank you for recommending him. But he is the one who literally this podcast would not be rocking and rolling if Tim had not taken time on a weekend to literally share his screen and say, look, this is how you edit. And I'm so grateful for that man. So thank you. <laughs> because not only does he amplify great stories, he's just a, a really wonderful guy and, and a helpful creative. So thank you for that. I'm happy to be able to to um, amplify him as well. 
All right, Karen. Well, I just know that our listeners are going to want to connect with you. So what is the best way that they could engage with you after this interview? Uh, I have a few different ways. Twitter. Uh, so obviously, um, that's probably that's the main one would be KCASW1. Um, I'm on Instagram as Mrs. C Teaching Passionately. I have a blog or website, which is karencaswell.com. Um, and I've just started a Facebook page as well, Authentic EDU, but it's only just sort of in its early stages. Well, I'm excited for the listeners to get on all of those. And I still, I love your Instagram that Mrs. C teaches passionately. That's so awesome. My favorite. I've never said it out loud before now either. It has a nice ring to it. <laughs> it rhymes. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> All right. Well, Karen, I just, I'm so grateful that you would adjust your morning schedule because right now it's the afternoon here, but it's early in the 5 a.m. hour. But I'm just so grateful that you would provide this awe inspiring interview so that my guests could learn and, and hear the mission and your message today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate all your support over the last few months as well. Wonderful, Karen. Thank you. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.